You are listening to Kingdom Faith, where we focus on the Christian life, the good stuff, and the hard stuff. On this week's episode, we talk about Daniel chapter 3 and what we should do in the face of the flame. So Ben, how about you give us a little context of Daniel chapter 3? All right, Phil. Well, Daniel 3 comes after Daniel 2 and before Daniel 4. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Let's get started. There's a lot of stuff happening here, and there and there is a lot of stuff that leads mm-hmm. up to this point, not just in Daniel itself, but throughout yeah. the establishment of the nation of Israel. We've been leading up to this point where God is starting to deal out a little bit of judgment mm-hmm. on Israel for their lack of faithfulness. So if you go back to Daniel chapter 1, you see right at the beginning that uh, Jerusalem is, is besieged by a Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar and and Jerusalem falls and he he steals a lot of the temple goods and he takes a lot of the nobility in in order to bring them back to Babylon in order to turn them into servants and assimilate them into Babylonian culture which is a pretty common practice mm-hmm. when you look at conquerors throughout ancient history when you have that big of an empire taking the places that you're conquering and kind of more or less interbreeding them with your already established kingdom is a good way to establish loyalty. Mm -hmm. So it's not an unusual thing that we're seeing. At the same time, this this, uh, upheaval of Israel and this fall of Jerusalem is a fulfillment of prophecy in a couple different places, the main one being Isaiah 39. So that's the bigger context. Now looking at uh, the main uh, stories of Daniel, we're, we're talking about Daniel, we're talking about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the, these are four servants who get more kidnapped mm-hmm. and brought to Babylon. And uh, what is funny is, and this is something that I knew but I didn't know, is that these aren't even their real names. Mm-hmm. So it's Daniel's real name. Uh, Daniel is his Hebrew name, but what the... The Babylonians give him a Babylonian name. Mm-hmm. Phil, do you know what his Babylonian name is? Is it uh, Belshazzar? Belshazzar. Belshazzar. Because yeah. later on, after Nebuchadnezzar, the king following him is Belshazzar. Yeah. So it's a little confusing. Yeah. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we only know them by their Babylonian mm-hmm. names. Their Hebrew names are here. They're in the book, but they say it once, and then they say their Babylonian yeah. names. I have them written down. They are uh, Hananiah, um, Mishael, Mishael, <laughs> well, I don't know, and Azariah. Mm-hmm. But we all know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Shadrach and Benny, if you're a VeggieTales fan. <laughs> uh, and this, this happens too. I was talking to Phil uh, before the episode that this also happens with Esther. The, the book of Esther is her Persian name, but mm-hmm. her Jewish name is, is, I don't know how to say it, Phil, Hadassah, something yeah, like that. close to that. I thought that was interesting and notable. So these four servants get kidnapped and they start getting assimilated and they they are there to become servants of the king and they start rising to the top very quickly and that was due to divine providence. God had favor on them Mm -hmm. and he had his plan in mind. Yeah. So they they pass this vegetable test (laughs) where Daniel tells uh, this eunuch who is in charge of them, like, hey, give us this food that... I think it adhered to uh, like the kosher diet, mm-hmm. the Jewish diet. And even though it's not what you want to feed us, we will be healthier and stronger and 
more fit to serve than these other servants who are given the royal diet, which wasn't adherent to Jewish culture. Mm -hmm. And God blesses them through that. And they rise to the top. And then Nebuchadnezzar has a weird dream. Mm -hmm. And Daniel and the boys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interpret this dream uh, through prayer. And, you know, God's, God's using them. And so we get to this point in, in Daniel chapter 3 where they're given leadership positions and Nebuchadnezzar, as emperors do, set up a statue in his honor, basically emperor worship. Mm -hmm. And he said, everyone in the whole kingdom has to bow down and worship this statue when you hear this orchestra playing. Yeah. Phil uh, saved me the burden of having to read all the instruments. <laughs> and some of these other servants who were jealous of the boys... Uh, made a plot to basically sell them out because they knew that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't bowing down. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we pick up starting in uh, Daniel 3. I'm going to start at verse 13 and read through the end of the chapter. So then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the orchestra, <laughs> fall down and worship mm -hmm. the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary, and he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped in in alarm. He said, to his, he said to his advisors, Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. And he exclaimed, Look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached uh, the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a, not a hair on their head was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree 
that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump, for there is no other god who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So, Phil, we see this defiance from these three servants. And uh, the king, you know, he keeps his word and he throws them into the fire. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about how he was kind of apprehensive about this because he he really liked these guys. I mean, Mm -hmm. they had done a lot for him, Mm -hmm. but king's got to stick to his guns. Yeah. And it's 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 uh it's funny to see chapter two and then chapter three because yeah. you know, chapter two is about this dream, but then you have sort of at the end you have, you know, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get promoted. They're like these advisors mm-hmm. now and you, it's like the tables are sort of turning a little bit. Um, you know, you see some of these 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 uh Israelites are now starting to get, you know, a little bit of power mm-hmm. in the kingdom. And like you said, that was the whole idea uh, with uh, Babylon. You know, they would come conquer these nations and they would assimilate them into the culture. And they would honestly, they would give the people some power so that those followers would basically be loyal if the other followers were loyal. So they would kind of give them a little bit of power so they could kind of be ahead over some things here and there. So... Anyway, so you get this this thing, and, and the king gives them a second chance here. Mm-hmm. You know, before we didn't read, but you know they were they had the ability to bow down. Obviously, they didn't, and they had some of these jealous guys who were like, "Yeah, let's get them." <laughs> and then you have this moment where you're, you know Nebuchadnezzar's furious with rage, so he's obviously pretty mad. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's furious with rage, um, and then they're the men they're brought before the king, and then. Um, you know, he asked Shadrach, Meshach, and Mendo, is it true? Is it true that you're not bowing down? Here, I'm going to give you another chance. When you hear this, the orchestra of music, <laughs> bow down. And and they don't, mm-hmm. and which is weird. It's not weird because we understand it. But it's weird because they're in the face of adversity. They're in the face of death. Yeah. They see the furnace. They know that they got this furnace and it's pretty hot. You know, the whole idea is for killing, mm-hmm. that they're going to be killed. If they don't do this one, I'm going to say the little thing, just bow down. Just bow down. It's that It's that simple. Just bow down to this golden image and you'll be safe. You'll be secure. Um, but obviously these three boys knew how important it was to stand firm in their faith. And, and just to put this into perspective here, the king was so mad mm-hmm. that he demanded that the furnace be even hotter than it was. It was already hot enough to kill him. Yeah. But he, he says, let's turn it up seven times hotter. Let's make it even hotter. Maybe, maybe if uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would, say, would, would have said then, oh, never mind, let's bow down because now we have no chance. Mm-hmm. Um then maybe the, he wouldn't have to go through with it. But he, the king got his best soldiers, and obviously he was okay with losing his best best soldiers yeah. because um, you know, they got burnt up while they were throwing these three men into the, into the fire. I do want to say this one point 
Um, and we're not going to sit here and speculate who was in the fire with them. Was it Jesus Christ? Was it an angel? Some of those things. Those things are cool to look up and, and try to figure out or however you like to study the Bible. But um, the most important thing is is that God was with them. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's hard to tell because you got King Nebuchadnezzar being the one that kind of talks about who this fourth guy is when he doesn't really have any knowledge mm. of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. So he says, son of the gods. Um, and if it is the one true God, then it would be the son, of, and that's Jesus Christ. But um, like I said, that's not even the point there. The point uh, is this idea that we serve an impossible God mm. that does the impossible, that takes an impossible moment where there's no possible way that these men shouldn't have died and saved them. And then obviously, you know, you got King Nebuchadnezzar who testifies uh, who their God is, whether he wasn't obviously the best king, but here it was, it was, you couldn't miss it. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. You couldn't miss the power of God in this scenario and no matter how much king nebuchadnezzar loved himself he couldn't help but have to say you know therefore i decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of shadrach meshach and abednego be cut into pieces and their house be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save this way now that's a description and that's (laughs) a he issues a decree he issues Mm -hmm. a law that if someone says anything bad against their god that they basically be cut down. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, it just kind of, it's just a good depiction of who our God is, how he can save, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to look at the the larger narrative of, of God's plan to to spread his kingdom. Because we look at these ancient kingdoms and in Babylon, I don't know how big Babylon got. Phil, do you have an idea of the geographical I, I range? Know. I know they were fairly big, but I couldn't tell you how big. Yeah. Not off the top of my head. So so my understanding, and I could be wrong, is that it goes the Babylonian kingdom, and then the Persian kingdom, and then the Greeks, and then the Romans. I think so, yeah. And the Israelites are basically become subject after subject but god moves through these different kingdoms and i think this is such a cool one to look at because the the hebrews the people of israel have become unfaithful they aren't following the law and more than that they aren't spreading the knowledge of christ and Mm -hmm. and making disciples and so god uses in, in jeremiah 25 i'm pretty sure jeremiah 25 i could pull it up but i'm gonna trust myself god uh speaks through jeremiah and he calls nebuchadnezzar his servant mm-hmm. to uh and i and i would say that it is a two-fold message here he's using king nebuchadnezzar to bring justice on israel but also to help spread his kingdom because we see this king, this emperor, declaring to his entire kingdom, which probably expands a good chunk of the known world at the time, 
hey, the God of Daniel, the God of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, he is the most high. Mm-hmm. Like, that's wild. Mm-hmm. And we see this again in other places, like when the early church, the Christians, get forced out of Jerusalem because they were kind of huddled up in there, and, and God uses persecution to push them out throughout the Roman Empire. So we see this happen in different places when church growth kind of becomes stagnant. We see God mm-hmm. forcing it. Which is cool, because sometimes we need a little kick in the pants to get stuff done. All right, well, well, Phil, I think we've done a good job of discussing the passage, and we'll discuss it a little bit more as we're going forward. But I think it's really important to bring some uh, modern-day application to Mm -hmm. our current circumstance. And so we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... uh, Facing persecution, facing the flames, mm-hmm. as we're titling the episode. Mm-hmm. What would you say to our listeners about you know what to do? How do we endure through the flames? How do we endure through persecution? So, so for one, if you're part of a local church or for a while, you've probably ran across this message before. Um, not to say that this is the message that's preached all the time, but this is this is a big highlighted moment in the Old Testament, um, especially around the time of uh, the reign of Babylon. Mm-hmm. So you know you got this. It's a it's a good story to to tell your congregation because it, hopefully it brings a little bit of motivation about this one thing, which is what I want to stress. It starts with faith and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we endure through, I would say, metaphorical flames, but in, in some instances, maybe physical flames, mm. um, because we can endure physical sufferings. Now, we don't experience it as much here, but there are other believers around the world that still experience this type of persecution, um, which is sad, obviously, but it's something that we need to make sure that we've honed in on our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if we know that our God is big enough and impossible enough to save in any circumstances, we ought to know that he could He could do the same thing for me. Um, but I would even go a little bit more because um, a lot of the times when we see God save others physically and he maybe not do it for me or or maybe you just kind of are witnessing that happening. Maybe it's not none of this is even happening to you and you're kind of questioning don't forget that, that even if God doesn't save us physically, He's already saved us spiritually. Mm. We already have eternity in heaven. So it doesn't really matter, honestly, what persecution you face here on earth because our home isn't here. Yeah. You know, we don't spend eternity here. We won't spend eternity in persecution. and you know, we'll, be interni- we'll spend an eternity in heaven. So when we kind of focus and understand that, it's easier to endure the flames then. I could also throw a lot of things in here. I would overall say you need to be a mature Christian. Yeah. You're not going to be able to endure the flames at all if you're not mature because you need you need the fruits of the spirits that we talked about a few weeks ago. That you need joy in your life. You need to have a good prayer life. You need to have a good reading your word on a daily basis. Um, these men are these boys, teens... Uh, they were they understood who their god was because yeah. if they didn't understand who their god was they wouldn't even attempted to go in the flames yeah. they wouldn't even attempted it because they knew that they they had a chance not to live 
Not that they doubted who their God is. I think that's important to know. These men didn't doubt who their God is. They understood that God could have a, a, a higher plan. And if that was for them to die, then they knew that the sovereign God had everything under control. Um, that obviously it was their time to go home. It was their time to go to Abraham's bosom. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, all that stuff. Um, they, but they had this thing. I heard a pastor say this before, and, and it's really stuck with me. He did a, he did a message on this, but he, he, he said it, that we need a but-if-not faith. Mm. Um, we need this, but if God doesn't do what I think he's going to do, I'm still going to trust in him. I'm still going to trust that he's still good God. He still holds the whole world in his hands. Um, he still is that God, regardless of anything that happens here on earth, because we know this earth isn't going to be here forever. This earth is, 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 has a destination that ends, yeah. but we don't. If you're a believer in Christ and you have faith and trust in God, we don't have anything that ends. We live eternity, and I think that that there is the best thing that we can do. Um, but I'll let you chime in here before I go to my last point here. Yeah, Phil... And, and we talked about this before, but just the idea of knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that his way is best and accepting it. That is what is hard, but that is what is important. And that but if faith, I really like that. And something I didn't talk about earlier that I think fits in now is is that um, um, in Habakkuk chapter 3, Habakkuk is also talking about the impending invasion mm-hmm. from the Babylonians. Yep. And... He is a contemporary of Jeremiah who talks about it for a mm-hmm. little bit. And in Habakkuk 3, he has prayed to God for deliverance. And God has kind of said, no. Mm-hmm. And and Habakkuk, if he's spent any time or knew anything that Jeremiah was prophesying at the time, would know that, okay, there's going to be about 70 years here mm-hmm. where we're under persecution. And I don't know about you, but 70 years... By the end of it, I might not be around. Yeah, and Habakkuk ends his book uh, by by writing a song. I think mm-hmm. that says, "I'm gonna trust in you, God, no matter what, even if I don't see the end, even if I don't see justice, even if I don't see Israel restored. Mm-hmm. I'm still gonna serve you. I'm still gonna love you." Mm-hmm. And I think that's really powerful. I think it fits in a lot with the attitude that we should have. Yeah, we need to know that bad things happen. And having faith in God that he has a plan and he's going to take care of us even after the end of our life here. That's what matters most. Yeah. And I, I like how you brought up Habakkuk. And uh, that whole, the whole, really the whole book is, is Habakkuk asking God these questions. And the main question that he asks is, God, if you're this God of justice, why are we not seeing any justice? Why are we not seeing you uh, coming down uh, with your with your right hand? Um, you know why aren't we seeing this? Why aren't we seeing you uh, be the rightful judge? Um, but then he sort of ends his book with the but if. Yeah. But if I don't live to see it, because it's going to be seventy years. It's going to be a long time. I might not make it, like you said. A lot of people uh, passed away while they were <laughs> captive in yeah. Babylon. 
he said, I'm still going to worship you. You know, I'm st- you're still going to be my God. You're still going to be the God that, that you've already shown me that you are. Um, and I think that's important. But I want to I read Hebrews 11 uh, at the end of the chapter because I think we see these kind of heroes of the faith. Mm-hmm. We see how God does these amazing things because these, these, these men and women had this amazing faith. Um, and we kind of expect those same things to always happen to us, even though if we if we looked hard enough at some of those people, they didn't all have great moments. Yeah. Um, they didn't all have great moments of faith. They, a lot of them also endured uh, persecution. Um, it just might have looked a little bit different around that time. But here, here I'll just start reading it in, in Hebrews 11, 30, starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gibeon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, rooted foreign armies, women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute, persecuted and mistreated. Uh, The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Uh, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now, I just want to note, because what we're talking about, in verse 34 uh, who he talks about who shut the mouths of lions and then 34 says quench the fury of the flames well who do you think he's talking about here he's talking about this story mm-hmm. he's talking about the, you know not he got he didn't have time to tell us about these these men because he just done, got done talking about like 18 other people but he says that there's these others these others who who have been beaten who have been imprisoned, who have been in chains, who have been sawed in two, cut mm-hmm. down by the sword. And, and some of the people he's talking about are the prophets. Yeah. Some of the prophets that kind of had to hide out because the people were coming for them um, because they didn't agree with what they were saying, some of those things. And, and I won't go and super in depth and study it for yourself, but a lot of people think that Isaiah was the person he's talking about who was sawed in two because it was customary that that happened. Um, but... You know, he's talking about this that, you know, all even those even those people, even these other people were commended for their faith because because in all 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 of them, all the Old Testament heroes, they didn't yet receive what they were promised, which was the Messiah, which was Jesus Christ, because he hadn't come yet. And they died before he came. But he says they're commended for their faith. Or in, in some, you know, we can go back in the beginning of Hebrews 11 and says that they were saved through their faith, um, their faith and that, that God was going to give them what they promised. And then he says in verse, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. They're going to be with us 
and be made perfect through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the, the picture you get here from, from Hebrews. I, I like how that's how this this book concludes these heroes of faith. Yeah. Because there are others. Not everybody walks out of the flame. Not everybody makes it out of the flames. Mm. Some people just go home. Um, and God has a, a greater plan for sure for, for that situation because uh, we know who God is. Um, we know that there's reasons why he, he saved some and not others physically because he saved all of us. But, you know, I know a lot of people question this very thing. You get a lot, a lot of, a lot of atheists, you know, kind of base this their atheism off of this. That why would God save this person but not another person? If God is so divine and 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 so powerful and mighty, why would He save some people from the flames and not others? If He could easily just save all of us, but we know that we live in a fallen world, that we live in a sinful world, that we are, that there's going to be suffering here, there's going to be persecution here, um, that we're going to be uh, killed for because of who we proclaim to be, um, which is believers. Now, we're fortunate here in America, but this is stuff that happens. I just want to make sure we understand, this is stuff that happens mm-hmm. every single day. People are persecuted and they don't make it out of the flames they just go home to jesus and they're commended for their faith um there's you know we don't have time for for to go super in depth but there there's a specific reward for those people who die because of the name they profess which is jesus christ and and i think that uh, with this piece and then knowing this story here the the but if not I think this strengthens us as Christians because then we can go into whatever situation we're facing or whatever situation that somebody else is facing and still remain faithful to our God Mm. because sometimes it can be difficult to remain faithful when it doesn't seem like you're going to make it through. Um, So I think that's important here. Well, Phil, uh, for my final thoughts, I had one thing and now I have two things. I hope that you'll indulge me. (laughs) And if he doesn't indulge me, then I'll just have one thing and he'll edit out the other one and <laughs> you'll wonder what happened to it. Uh, <laughs> so the first thing was a lot of what you've already been saying that making that conscious decision to love and worship God no matter what happens is so important. And and a biblical example that I picked that wasn't what one that we've already talked about is Job. Mm-hmm. We see all this awful, terrible stuff happen to Job and there's two instances where Job is talking, I think he's talking to his wife. He's talking to his wife at least in one of them. Mm-hmm. And in the first one, he says, uh, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And in, in the second one, he says, Should we only accept good from God and not adversity? Yeah. And just that idea that God is more than just blessings mm-hmm. there there is going to be bad things too like god disciplines those whom he loves not that every terrible thing that happens is from god because oftentimes bad things just happen mm-hmm. the second thing 
that pause was to let Phil edit this out if he doesn't want it in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Phil, have you heard the song uh, How He Loves? Mm-hmm. And so that song is made famous by David Crowder, but it's actually written by another artist named John Mark McMillan, and he mm-hmm. has some popular songs. But the story of How He Loves is one of John Mark McMillan's best friends. His name is Stephen. I don't know what his last name is. Uh, he is a a youth pastor and he gives this really powerful message at I think a youth conference and and he says you know if it would touch the youth of the nation for Christ I would give up my life tonight Mm -hmm. and that night he died in a car crash Mm. and and John Mark McMillan when he found out about his friend dying he sat down right then and there and wrote how he loves and there's an extra verse that isn't talked about that David Crowder doesn't include because it's a very emotional verse. And it's basically talking about how, you know, people view God as cruel because he took Stephen. And John writes, you know, if Stephen was here, he wouldn't he would say that's not true. Mm-hmm. And just this idea that bad things happen and we just love God all the time and he loves us all the time. And sometimes we're not going to expect it when we get a sloppy, wet kiss from God. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And thank you for indulging me, Phil, because I've said it enough that you're not going to cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just my final thought here. And it's, it goes right along with that, that story you just said. We need to trust in the divine providence of God, that God holds everything in his hands. And, and this is this is so important. Because there are many things we don't know. But don't let the things we don't know impact the things we do know. Which is God is always good. Don't let bad things that happen on this earth, regardless of how they happen, impact what we do know, which is God is always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this weekly verse is Daniel 3. 17 through 18 would say, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. All right, well, that concludes this week's episode of Kingdom Faith. Thank you for listening. If you would like to leave us a comment or request for an episode, you can email us at kingdomfaith2001 at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Kingdom Faith.